is January the 11th, 2024. <clears throat> We're just completing the prayer card here. We all have somewhat of a truth model. We'll all agree that maybe there's certain areas we're not 100% decided on. But the human tendency is to try to stick with what you were thinking and um, maybe look for something to support that. Um, and, you know, it's a hard thing to do. To, so, well, you know, whatever, you know, the rapture timing, for instance. You know, for a long time I wasn't sure, but there's just too many similitudes. Elijah, there's too many things. You know, when Jesus is in Luke 17, like Noah, and like, you know, Lot and his family, Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, that's how it's going to be. Well, he said it would be business as usual. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving him marriage, and then wham, then they, they're taken up or whatever. So that, you know, to try to put the rapture in the middle of the tribulation, there's, first of all, there's not room for that year, Deuteronomy 24, 5, that's one thing. For another thing, it's not business as usual. People are struggling to survive. Um, for another thing, the, the bride of Christ will get a, needs to get a seven, not a three and a half. You know, uh, you got Leah got her seven, the Gentile, and... Uh, then you got Rachel, she got her seven. That There's that pattern you know, of sevens. So we'll be taken to be with him for a seven. That's a straight up. Hey, babe. She told me not to forget certain people on the... Uh, who did you say not to forget? My mom. Got her on there. Thank you. Was there anyone else? Sam. Sam Long. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Now, you guys remember we went through the certain scripture and proved by scripture that a post-trib rapture won't work. is impossible. And you used Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. 31. Yes. Art Davis. Art Davis. Well, you know, building on what you said, uh, there's these uh, YouTube videos where they show, where they bring criminals in and interview them uh, to try to get evidence out of them. And they wind up spilling the beans on themselves. You know, <coughs> but this girl had plotted to kill her mother and father, her grandparents, because they were raising her and with her boyfriend. And she was like 16 or 17. And she, and she was saying the whole time, I'm, I'm a good person. I, you know, I'm, I'm basically a good person. Even after they knew she'd murdered her, I'm a good person. And that's the way the world looks at themselves. We look at ourselves, I should say, I'm a good person. And it's a scale thing, <laughs> like you yeah. weigh it out on the scale. And uh, Bob, do you agree with that? He's a good person. <laughs> yeah, he but said there's none good, no, not one. And, and, he had the, right. you know, and, so and, and, there's none righteous. Uh, this guy with living waters, what's his name? Uh, Ray uh, huh? Ray Comfort. Yeah, Ray Comfort. He interviews people all the time, and 99 percent <clears> of the time they'll say. Well, I think I'm going to heaven because I've done more good than that. Way bad. bad, yeah. yeah. It, this just scales things, yeah. So, well, it says our best works are like filthy rags. Do you know what that means? <coughs> Actually, down yes, deep. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, not, we're not talking about that with you. Ladies, hi, J. Product. That's what the, that Hebrew means, yeah. Let me borrow your keeper here. I left mine at home or something. Those. those are about a 1.5, 1.75. Do you think that'll work? It's about a 1.2. Holy smokes. Does that work? Barely. Barely. <laughs> but, you know, with our truth model, we need to adjust it. We need to adjust the truth model to go along with what the Bible says. 
and don't, you know, try to twist the Bible. You know, there's a, I, I was talking about 2 Peter 2, 1 with Calvinists. Uh, there's another verse that they really don't like. But now they can't get out of 2 Peter 2, 1. All they can say there is, oh, well, that's hyperbole. Of course you couldn't deny the sovereign Lord if you were bought. He wouldn't have bought you if you weren't one of the elect. You know, so no, you're, you're holding on to your truth model and it's wrong and you're twisting what the Bible literally says to try to prop that up. You know, there's uh, 1 John 2, verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Yep. So ours meaning, so I'll take a couple of cookies, Jordan Brown. <laughs> um, not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world I mean he paid the price you know and if somebody paid your admission to Carowinds and said there's the gate well you can walk right in he paid the price you he paid the price yeah mm-hmm. and you if you don't you know if you don't avail yourself of that then uh, thank you so much that, you know, some fellows on Twitter just bound and determined that you could backslide and lose salvation. I said, not true salvation. Not once truly saved, always saved. He said, oh, you can backslide and lose true salvation. And I said, listen, does God know if you're going to be with him in the end? Does he know that right now? Oh, they won't go there. They won't touch that third rail. They'll, they'll obfuscate. They know that they don't have a leg to stand on. Well, he's no good. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, you got a Bible, you might Earl need was a raised in that situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sarcasm in that one. Yeah. I, I used to sit around, you know, here's a, little, here's a little line. Okay, up here you're saved. Mm-hmm. Down here you're lost. How do you get down here? Well, how, how much do you have to send to get down here? Then, when you get down here, what do you have to do to get back up here? It never worked out. No, you're all, you're, you're wringing your hands. Yeah. That's what the Muslims teach. Mm-hmm. And, and but you know when you get one ask him does God know right now if uh, you're going to be with him in heaven and they know the second question if they answer that one so they don't answer it you know and then they get mad because I don't know why it's so important to them that that you you know to think that you can lose it some of them will say well we're trying to teach truth here so that you don't just you know backslide (laughs) thinking you've got get out of hell free card um and we want to make sure you take your walk with Christ uh, so, solemnly, you know. And you're supposed to be very serious about it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. They like that one too. But that means the entire length of time you're living, you're saved. After you're saved, you know, work throughout it. Do what you know, produce fruit. That's yeah. sanctification. Yeah, sanctification versus is what they do. Justification. Yeah. So, and then there's a. If you read Romans thirteen eleven, Paul says our salvation is much nearer than we thought. You mean Paul wasn't saved? No, he wasn't talking about justification. He's talking about glorification. Yes, amen. Well, I told one of them my view, and I believe I about convinced him. I said, can you backslide? Can you fall away? Uh, it's going to be an outer court, inner court, holy of holies, as you approach salvation in Christ as you approach being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's the Holy of Holies. You can't fall away from that. Can you fall away from the outer court? Of course. Can you fall away from the inner court? Yeah, you still can. Because you're not sealed yet. 
And that one on there yesterday. Well, I'm getting tired of all this rhetoric about seal. What's, what is he even talking about seal? Where'd this come from? Well, it came from Acts chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians, Ephesians 4, chapter four yeah. and verse 30, that you're sealed. And until they have redemption. Yeah, it says, um, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So he said, well, that's if you don't grieve him, you're sealed. And I said, no, no. He's telling us that we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> don't grieve him. You know what will happen? You might get chastened. And you, you may lose reward. Lose rewards, get chastened. Plus it says if you say you have no sin, the truth ain't in you. And you make God out to be a liar. So we're going to blow it all the time, whether we like it or not. The flesh is going to blow it all the time. Mm -hmm. right? Spirit good cookies, sir. Who did those? Okay, good. Bob stole one of mine. Uh-oh. <laughs> can't trust. I did it honestly. You stole it honestly. <laughs> you came by it honestly. Bob stole it. I know you're going straight to hell. Run back to There's provisions for that. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, but um, I don't think for the most of it's anything like worried about me thinking I won't lose salvation and making a mistake and going to hell because sometimes they get so mad at you you're almost wishing you in hell. Mm -hmm. It's not compassion towards somebody that knows your salvation is sure. But you'll never get them to answer that question. God, well, I had one one time answered it. I said, no, God doesn't know when, when you're going to be with him or not. Oh, he doesn't know. Well, how could he not know? That's interesting. Second mm -hmm. Timothy 2.19 as nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth that that are his. So, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God knows those who are his. And he's told the end from the beginning. So, of course he knows. So to the one I said, you know, and he knows you're going to be in, in the lake of fire when it's all said and done. And he knows... You're going to hell when it's all said and done. Do you think he's going to call you saved at any point between then and there? You know, no. You know what a lot of people will teach that Christ died for our sins up to a point in time, right? And then after that time, you're responsible. Then you can lose your salvation. I asked him. I said, "Well, how many of your sins was future when Jesus was on the cross? All, all, all of them. So that won't fly either." No. I think there's evidence, you know, just the group that's here of wanting to come back and be around like-minded people and fellowshipping with like-minded believers. That's pretty much pretty good evidence to me that you're saved. Yeah. You want to be around like-minded people because this world out there has got too many strange people. Yeah, you're right. I have a bunch of... Descriptive adjectives, but I can't use them. <laughs> well, that one fellow telling, well, you know, you slide, backslide, you, you're, you apostatize. He kept saying, if you, you apostatize, well, what do you do when you do that? Well, you better make it right. You better get right with God when you do that. I said, that's interesting. What do you think of Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6? For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing that they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to 
an open shame. You can't come back from this point. But this is not saved. That's going to be an inner court thing. You've tasted of it. Judas Iscariot did, didn't he? He tasted of it, but he wasn't saved. Um, The same thing with the sower that went to sow, fell on good ground, hard ground. Uh, The birds Mm -hmm. picked up some of it, and some of it was shallow. So there's a degree there where you you contemplate uh, salvation, and you have the choice. Am I going to do this or not? That's a really interesting parable. Um, And in Mm -hmm. my life, I... I was all all of those at one time. I was the seed, you know, that got picked up. You know, I remember scanning a radio band, and if there's any preaching going on, I got right off of that quick as I could and didn't want to hear it. Um, and then, you know, made a false profession of faith because uh, Christian wouldn't have married me otherwise. I spent probably six or seven years in that state. and um, But, you know, something has to change for you to realize that that was a false profession, you have to get changed. You have to actually get saved. And you know it when it happens. You do. I don't remember an instantaneous moment, but I remember I was arguing with a fellow on the internet, a retired police officer from Pennsylvania. I said, I can't lose my salvation. He said, yes, you can. All of you OSAS, once saved, always saved, y'all don't, y'all don't know the danger of thinking the way you do. So we started to debate by email because he ran a website that was just bashing the doctrine that you're saved always, eternally secure. And that's how I got in touch with him. And we was batting it back and forth. And I didn't convince him, and he didn't convince me, but... God used that period of time for me to read my Bible. Isn't it NIV right there? I was in Ephesians, reading, trying to find verses that would prop up my point of view that you couldn't lose salvation. And it just came over me. God's Spirit came over and said, you know, this is all true, don't you? If you didn't think this was true, why would you be using this to try to win your little debate? And I knew it was true. And, and further than that, um, I know that God can use whatever translation you put in front of that. Even if it was one of those corrupt Jehovah Witness things, there is mostly in there scripture that they didn't change. They're all the time having to change stuff to mm-hmm. prop up their bogus doctrine, but God can use his word. I mean, there are peoples in in the world and all they've got for a bible is the gospel of mark it's the shortest of the four gospels it's the easiest one therefore to translate into whatever language and that's what they have and then they have the stars of heaven and creation psalm 19 romans 1 and they you know so many missionaries go to japan and fail because the japanese people are very close to their ancestors that's how they've been raised. That's their culture. So, you know, when you mm-hmm. rear back like a holy or narrow preacher and tell them that their ancestors are in hell because they didn't die, you know, uh, knowing Jesus, you teach it wrong. You can know your creator, God, and God holds you responsible for what you do know. How, how you know, you might as well have John Calvin for a God. If you're going to say all the Native Americans went straight to hell, there wasn't no happy hunting ground. If you're going to tell the 
Japanese people that all these they had never heard the gospel, right? They're like the Old Testament saints or the no, yeah, they just didn't know. Um, and uh, there's a place Acts, I think it's seventeen, and um, <clears throat> Paul's talking about you know you've got you got a statue here in Athens, <laughs> the Athenians, you got one to the unknown God. They just said, well, we better have a wild card amongst our idols here in case there's one we forgot. <laughs> and Paul said, Those, the, who, he who you worship in ignorance, I'm declaring unto you. And he talks about it. And then he gets to verse 30 and says, in the times of this ignorance, y'all didn't know, y'all didn't know, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men every word to repent. See, once you've got gotten the word of God, the scripture in your hands, and you heard it, and you heard what it is, you're responsible then for that. You know, uh, if you go to some strange land and break some law you didn't know about, most of the time, if they're fair-minded, they'll say, well, you didn't know that you couldn't do this or that. You didn't know that was illegal, so, you know, we'll let you go on that. But once you know, you know, and we all do know. Particularly in America, we know you can't escape the gospel in this country. You know, so you are responsible. But no, not the ancient Native Americans or other ancient peoples and peoples even today that probably haven't heard. I mean, that'll happen. They'll hear because he wants to go everywhere, you know, around the world. And they have the knowledge of God written on their heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Through creation. And we yeah, all have that. Not that they have a full disclosure, but they have enough to know. You got yeah. enough. You know. On Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and on, they've got two witnesses. Yeah. Conscience and creation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heaven's declared God's word. <clears throat> yeah, 19, Psalms 19. Yeah. Just walk outside and look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that Native American Indians would have done that. Holy yeah. Spirit. And look to the sky. And, 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 so, and if they sought further information, they would have gotten it. Yes, exactly. And if they didn't, then they're going to stand before God and be judged on what they knew. Kind of like that Ethiopian eunuch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, <clears throat> Isaiah, how can I understand that someone explained it? Right. Or without excuse. That's right. Without excuse, and that's a, that's a very solemn thing to hear, isn't it? <clears throat> All right, I'm going to read the prayer list. Uh, uh, Larry Lee Newberry and him and his wife Jenny needing prayer for uh, just some different things, aches and pains. I want to make sure we remember Ray about his back where he had a little trouble with that. Uh, Susan, Christian's mom, and, and her shoulder surgery. And Mark, how's your Susan's shoulder? She's, uh, she's got the stitches out yesterday. Okay. And uh, did the first uh, set of physical therapy. She went back to work today, <coughs> and I haven't heard from her today. I had um, both shoulder surgery same day, both named Susan. It must have been the day that uh, they decided to do Susan's. Uh, praise God for Bella Wheeler. She was missing. Now, um, her mother, Gail, she was a Wheeler, and then she's a king now. Uh, had to go to Florida. They, they, this, this outlaw had her and took off with her. And um, 
you know, just through much prayer, uh, U.S. Marshals caught up to him and got and got Bella free. How old was she? She's 21, 22. <coughs> I know her mama real well. Gail, yeah. yeah. She's a good friend of mine. Very, very wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gordon knows everybody, though. I mean, <laughs> he knows everybody. Uh, Marcos, uh, salvation for his son. I don't think you could pray somebody into heaven, but you could sure ask the Lord to send the witnesses. Get a sip of water. <coughs> that might be some flat light. I'd be careful. Okay. No, I think it's bad. Just water. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that one time. I can't stand that. Which one's the best? This is a uh, cold one. What's this? That one is. What's this? That's, that's probably poison. <laughs> that's a cough drop, huh? <laughs> listening audience. It's like coffee. These are the ones to take. <laughs> All right. Art Davis, healing for his hand. Uh, how did his hand get hurt? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Got questions. Sam Long, going into the Marine Corps. And yeah. um, blessings for him. Our uh, prayer team, Gail, uh, Janice, Ruby. Bassey and Linda and John and Ruby, Marta and Charles and family, President Trump, praying for Bob's son, Mike, for peace in his heart and understanding. Pray for a friend in New Jersey for a positive outcome for his health or her health. Pray for situation in the Middle East and in the Ukraine. Praying for Eric, Rex, John and Ted, America, the Trump family, unsaved family, loved ones. Ray for his back again, praying for peace in Israel, which means Christ will be here. All veterans, Kathy Gillenwater. She's back in ICU. Is that right? Yeah, she can't hear now, period. I mean, that tumor on her brain, she cannot hear nothing. But Tammy takes, texts her and she takes her back, but she about died two days ago. I don't know what doubt that's going to be. Yeah. Gracious with Christ. Uh, Children's Susan's Recovery, Unspoken Request for Forrest. Mom, Dad, Mark, Grandparents Mark, and Corey, and Rusty, and what is that? M A N I S. Minish. This is. Minish. And Manicella? Yeah. These are friends, family? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Aaron, Josh, Dalton, Harrison, Brandon, Mike, Eric, and another Josh, Mm -hmm. and his niece, Patricia, Kevin, Brandon, L, and Aaron, Jerry Rice Forrest, and Christina, Andrew, which Andrew's that? Andrew, film I picked up Sunday that was homeless. Oh, okay. He, uh, lives, he works at McDonald's, and he but he has no place to live. He's been, oh boy. We got to figure out how to get some of these folks inside with this weather coming. And there's a warming shelter where if the weather gets cold <coughs> enough, but they don't have but so many spots, it sounds like they're opening up to each to their individual room, but that seems like they could pair up or even forward to the room. It's going to be teams this coming week. And down, Every night. and down to uh, <coughs> five, four degrees. Single degrees. Yeah. Allie needing prayers. 
loss of her father, Jay and I met her, and better Whitmer's? Witnesses. Better witness to other people. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to say, you can't pray somebody into heaven, but you can sure ask God to send the <coughs> harvesters, and that's up to them. Let's join hands. Mm-hmm. I got ripped off thumbnail here. So. Oh, don't hurt you. <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this time, the many blessings we know that we will experience when two or more are gathered and your Holy Spirit's among us. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name for being with us tonight and teaching us, and we're forever grateful. Amen. Amen. I don't have very much, and I'll turn it over to Earl, Um, but I do want to look at uh, Leviticus 23, just for the first four feasts. I might look at some other ones, the last three, figure out what that would have to do with um, further out. But when you look at the Old Testament, I like how Adrian Rogers used to put it. He said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So there's all these shadow pictures, paradigms, similitudes. God has the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, doing certain things. And we've talked about how he had them making the water of separation with the red heifer sacrifice and to burn wood on top of the carcass and then gather the residue and put it in a pool of water of separation. And that's lie soap. It hit me when we looked at that. I found a rabbi online somewhere that knew that. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about something else. And he said something about water of separation. He put in parentheses, which is soap. 1450 B.C., God invented soap, told him, y'all wash this stuff when you come back for battling this, it'll be clean. Well, at first, being the, you know, I, I try to give an answer in the hope that lies within me. We're supposed to. And if uh, atheist Dan from 30 years ago had come and said, this don't look like anything but a mess. This doesn't look like anything's going to clean anything. And this is what you're believing. This is what you're basing your, your existence on. Something that says to take the, you know, the remains of a burnt carcass and a bunch of wood and put it in a pool of water and that's going to be a cleansing aid? It is. That's, that's where soap comes from. But God didn't tell them why they were doing it. He just said do it. Because if he told them why, he'd have to get into microbiology and they weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. He said just clean in this and it'll be, it'll be clean. It'll be purified. <clears throat> There's little things like that you find in Scripture that you know a bunch of men didn't just sit around and make this stuff up. Let's see, Leviticus 23, at the beginning, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which he shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. What's that a picture of? Hebrews shows us. Hebrews shows us that um, we have entered into a rest. We are no longer having to work um, to have this fellowship with Christ. We, we, we can rest from that work such as you know all these continual sacrifices that the hebrew people had to do all these rituals they had to do all this 
that they had a weekly picture of a rest depicting the ultimate rest in Christ in the Sabbath. Um, verse 4, These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. And the 14th day of the first month, that evening, it's the same way of saying, on the 14th day at 6 o'clock in the evening, we're going to start, we're going to start Passover. But, but actually, that begins the 15th when you take, take it that way at 6. So that's how that hair gets split. Uh, <clears throat> so um, the 14th day of the first month, verse 5, at evening is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So we know that the Passover has been fulfilled by Christ, the perfect lamb. The, 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 now the Orthodox Jews, they, they will still keep this Passover feast. They kind of do it with a wink and a nod. They're not really killing sheep. Some of them might be. But most of them just go through it ritualistically. But uh, that feast is fulfilled by Christ, the Lamb of God. He depicts himself as a lamb throughout the Old Testament, many places. So there's a seven-day feast that starts seven days of unleavened bread. The day the Jewish people go to keep that feast, they have a routine of going through their cabinets and even with a feather and sweeping out the corners and getting all the yeast out. What's this a picture of? Getting rid of the sin, getting sin out because of the Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So they do that for seven days. And the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire uh, you'll see burnt offering in places that's like burning an animal. You shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no, no servile work therein. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you become into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Now, at least in this part, this passage, that could be a, a little unsure how many days. He says, when you go into this land and you grow crops, this is a passage of time. What would you say? Well, you got to understand in the, in the Hebrew and in, in the Israel culture, we're used to seven days in a week. They had a week of days, week of weeks, week of years, and a week of month, or, or a week of month and a week of years. So Joshua told them when he went into the land, or God told Joshua, when you go into the land, work the land six years, but on the yes, seventh on year, seven. don't do anything. Let the land lay rest. So I think it's it's the, the land, the years there. It may, may well be. It would almost have to be because you can't just put a seed in the ground and magically produce yeah. a crop. But it's to bring the first fruits. Once this crop is produced, it says, bring the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall 
wave the sheaf. So that was the barley. That was the barley harvest. Barley harvest, mm-hmm. which is Gentile, right? Mm-hmm. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. So after the Sabbath, this first fruit uh, is brought to the priest. And it was after the day after the Sabbath that Jesus came out of the tomb alive. And you shall all, and he was the first fruit, says he was. Went to the Father, the first fruits of those resurrected from the dead. And you shall offer that day when you ha- when you wave the sheaf a he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil. Oil's a picture of the Holy Spirit, the flour, the bread, picture of the body of Christ, right? An offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. You know, the Bible says that it pleased him to bruise him. It pleased the Lord. It, you know, he wanted to, to do this for our sakes. For he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth would have everlasting life. Not saved and then unsaved and in and out and in and out like a revolving door. Once you are sealed by God's Holy Spirit, you're sealed. He's not going to seal you unless he looks at you and says, well, there's one of mine. There's one of mine. And you know what? When I was doing some of the most idiotic things a person ever did, usually behind the wheel of a car, um, he knew I was one of his. He knew I belonged. And um, I didn't. I blasphemed him. I did terrible things. I hate what I did. But he, I guess he just looked at me like a little chihuahua trying to nip at his ankles. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're cute, aren't you? you know? <laughs> but, you know, um, I was in this Bible here. And, man, this verse ran through me like a, like a sword. Uh, I was in... Um, Timothy and uh, it was first Timothy and Paul wrote I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted and ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Have mercy on me. Because see, he knows those who are his. And again, he's not going to seal you if he doesn't know you're his. Seal means sealed. I had one of them guys, oh, you can break that seal anytime you want to break it. Here's the Greek word. I said, interestingly, this is the Greek word in Revelation where Satan's put in the pit in Revelation 20 and a seal put over it. Can Satan break that seal? Because if Satan can't break it, you better know you can't either. You know what I used to tell people when they said that? What's that? You got three gallons of paint. White and blue. And you mix it together, stir it up, and you got purple, I believe. I, whatever color that makes. Different color. Yeah. Now, can you take that 
and put it in another bucket and bring it back to the original color. No. That's what seal means. Yeah, you're there. You're sealed. You can't undo Amen. it. You can't bring back the original color. Amen. So that first fruits, you know, picture of of Christ, and then He will bring the believers, and you keep seeing that as you go on in Leviticus 23 here. And, um, and you get to this last one, which is Pentecost, and it shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, that's your first fruits. Count seven Sabbaths, seven sevens, shall be complete on that 50th day. That's a week of weeks now. Week of weeks. <laughs> he said, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. This is Pentecost. This is when the church was created or at least when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers in, in, in a mass. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. What are these that are baked with leaven? Why is he putting leaven in here? Like church. That? That's the church. We got sin in us. But still we're the first fruits, the first of those who believe. This was fulfilled, of course, in Acts chapter 2. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock, and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire, a sweet savor unto the Lord. And you shall sacrifice one of the kid goats for a sin offering. And two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord. With the two lambs they shall be holy to the Lord. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout the generations. So, um, you're going to also see he talks about wine. Uh, that's a pic, you know, the, the bread is a picture of the body of Christ. And then you, you have uh, wine, which is a, his blood, right? Um, this is the cup, which, by the way, we decided what we'll probably do is, is do communion on the first Thursday of each month. If you do it every week, it becomes a bit of a ritual and maybe two routine. I'm not saying you shouldn't or can't. I just thought maybe once each month if we remember to do it. But that's all I had to just look at these feasts and, and see what the Holy Spirit was writing about here so that, you know, a lot of the believers in, in God the Father and believers in the Word at the time of Christ were able to see. They had eyes to see and ears to hear. You know, uh, the Calvinists like to say, you you don't have, you can't even hear. You don't have eyes to see until God gives them to you. And he has to give you the heart. He has to give you the ability to believe. No, you've got the ability to believe. Oh, he's got to open your eyes up to who he is. And it says that Jesus said, no one comes to me except the Father who sent me draws him. Jesus did say that. And um, the Calvinist says, see, that's the elect. He just spins some cosmic lottery wheel and lands on James White, and here we go. And James White's whole family and his babies and all that get 
elect just because that's, he'd hate to think that it wasn't all elect. That's silly. That is silly. But um, God has a reason. He looks on the heart. First Samuel 16, he's selecting David. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He's going to look at your heart. Romans 2.14, there are laws unto themselves because they do by nature God's laws even though they don't have the law given to them. Think about an American Indian, Native American, maybe stopping to help someone. Maybe when they were at war with the U.S. Cavalry, finding a wounded one and nursing him to health. Those are some people that God might want to draw to salvation. That's what he wants to see. You're doing it by nature, right? Think of the good Samaritan. It doesn't call him good, but that's the parable what it's known by. <clears throat> you know, he did what was right. Even though people who had the law and people who were in priestly positions or whatever, muckety-mucks, as Bob says, they didn't do anything. They didn't help that man who was wounded. God's watching that kind of thing. And when he sees that kind of thing, maybe I'll invite him. I'm going to draw you to someone. Let's see if you harden your heart or if you accept my invitation. So, uh, that's how that all works. I'm convinced of it. All right, I'm done. Are you guys an expert in Daniel? <coughs> kind of. I know the book of Daniel, but I'm not an expert in it by any means. <laughs> okay, last week, week before last week, we went into Daniel chapter 2. Last week, we jumped to Daniel chapter 7 and got just a few insights on Daniel 7. Now, does anybody know why we did that? Because you said it's parallel or whatever, right? Well, chronology. it's 50 years apart. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Metallic image, you know, head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and a thigh of bronze, and the two legs of iron. We'll leave the feet off for the time being, for right now. That was the four kingdoms that were ruled, that did rule the earth from Daniel's time until Rome dissipated in 476 A.D. The, the left leg. That was the... Western. Well, no, that was the eastern. The eastern lasted a thousand years longer than the western. Well, Daniel had the same vision. And Daniel 7, 50 years later, of four vicious beasts to come up out of the sea. Now, sea means Gentile nations. And these beasts is Therion, and it means vicious, cruel, corrupt animals. And, and they're the same thing as Nebuchadnezzar had, covered the same time period. So we'll get into it in more detail when we get to chapter 7. Chapter 7 is from God's viewpoint. Vicious animals. Chapter 2 is from man's viewpoint. This beautiful uh, metallic image represents what man can do. Mm-hmm. Now, but before I get into that, I want to follow up on what you was talking about just a moment ago on these feasts and yeah. Passover. Okay. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Now, we know Jesus, by a lot of scriptures, was crucified, regardless of what some of your Bible students here before taught that he was crucified on the 15th. We know he was crucified on the 14th, because 
Passover was on the 14th at evening. Yeah. Okay, let's read the first uh, few verses here. Now, the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, that month is not saying, and it, it's the same month as March and April. Mm-hmm. Now, to get this straight, their month started on the new moon. Now, on our calendar, it could, it could be any day. If you count down 30 days and 31, uh, 29 days, they had to add another month. So it says, On this day, verse 3, Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man should take for himself, what's the next phrase? A lamb, right? Mm-hmm. It, now that just says a lamb, right? Mm-hmm. That could be any lamb. Verse 4, and if the household is too small for, what's, what's that? The, is that a definite article? That means a specific lamb, right? It don't mean just any lamb. It means a specific lamb. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make you account for the lamb. What's the next statement? Verse 5. Your, your lamb. That's shall... personal, right? Yeah. That becomes personal. That's Now, who is the lamb? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So, what he's saying here, what did he say to take them on the 10th for? To survey them and be sure they was that blem- without blemish. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys go, and, and you guys have been through this, up. I'm going to ramble a little bit here, okay? Sure. <laughs> Hosea chapter 12, verse 10. And just read it to it. Now, don't be, don't be, I'm not putting you on the spot, but I just want you to see this. Hosea 12, 10. Uh-huh. Now, we're going to get into a lot of that in chapter 3 of that. When do you guys read it to us? I'm still hunting. <laughs> now, two-thirds of that verse, we're going to understand what it means. I have spoken by the prophets, right? Twelve ten. I'll get to a mess when I don't have my cheek tape. I'll tell you, <laughs> you guys with me? I have spoken by the prophets. Mm-hmm. And I have spoken to the prophets and have multiplied visions. Now, we understand both of those, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's spoken through the prophets. And he's multiplied visions. That's what we're going to get to in Daniel. The next statement. And use similitudes by the ministry of prophets. Now, what's a similitude? Something similar to something else. Yeah, it's a type of. Yeah. Shadow picture. It's a, it's, it's a model. Mm-hmm. If you're building a house, you would want something to go by, right? You'd want a blueprint. Now, you can't live in a blueprint, but you've got to have one to build a house. So that's what Jesus is saying. I, I've spoken to similitudes, and I'm going to ask both of you this question. In Genesis, you don't have to turn there. Genesis chapter 22, and Abraham told, there's a lot going on here. Abraham, God told Abraham to take his only son. That's got a problem. You know what the problem is? Take the only son Isaac and offer him upon the mountain where I'll show you. 
Isaac wasn't his only son. He had he had Ishmael. There's a similitude going on there. And take him up and offer you up on the mountain where he would show him. Now, after all that was said and done, who came off the mountain? Abraham. Both of them came off the mountain. Go to Genesis 22, verse 19, and read it to us. So Abraham returned unto his young men. Who did? Abraham. Doesn't say that Isaac did. And they rose up and went together. Now, this is your homework. Where was Isaac? He was with him, but it didn't say. Well, the scripture doesn't say that Isaac was with Abraham. There's one whole chapter, chapter 23, is there. When did, Ab- when did Isaac show up again? When his wife comes to. When Rebecca came mm-hmm. and he was introduced by an unnamed servant. So, in that context, Abraham was a type of who? Christ. Isaac was God the Father. God. Oh, Abraham was yeah. a type of God. Now, who who was Isaac a type of? Christ. Yeah. Christ. Who was Rebecca a type of? The church. Mm-hmm. Who was the unnamed servant a type of? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, because uh, John fourteen seventeen says, "When He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will not speak of Himself." Mm-hmm. Now, the key thing. What about verse twenty three? Isaac was gone. He's not even mentioned there. What does that represent? When, when Jesus was resurrected, he went away, right? Been gone for 2,000 years. That verse 20, uh, chapter 23 represents that 2,000 years that Jesus has been gone. You with me? Sure. It's all depicted there if you just notice it, yeah. It, it's that. Now, we're going to run into the same thing in Daniel chapter 3. But I want to do something else. In, in case you, you guys will be here, I guess, unless you get... Unless, unless you get raptured. <laughs> Bob will be here. Now, have any of you heard of a dual <laughs> prophecy or a dual interpretation of prophecy? Sure. Okay, do you know what it is? Now, it, it, it's not saying that this means this this day, and tomorrow it means this. That's not what he's talking about. Go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 9. One of them, these don't work. They don't, don't work. And one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great. That's what I wanted. The little horn. Now, where did this little horn come from? Out of one fourth of this um, goat. He came, it came from in the other scripture. It says he came from the horn, ten horns of the third beast. Okay. Okay. Now go back to Daniel chapter seven, verse uh, eight. And I considered the horns and now, Okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. I considered the horns and behold there came up among them another little horn. Now stop right there. Which is this one from? He's from the fourth beast. They're not the same guys. In fact, they're separated by thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But they are fulfilling the same prophecy. In a sense. The first guy, the first one he's talking about is Antiochus Epiphanes. He came Would out. Would be Alexander the Great. Now the big horn was broken off as Alexander the Great. The little horn is Antiochus Epiphanes. 
See, this this third beast had a little ho- a big horn between his eyes, and when it was broken off, the, he, he divided his kingdom into four different kingdoms. So, Lasukas, Cassandra, Ptolemy. Was, it, was that be Antiochus Epiphanes, or would that be Alexander the Great that broke, broke into four? The little horn. No, the one that broke those four kingdoms. Oh, that was Alexander the Great. The big horn between his eyes was Alexander the Great. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But um, from that, his kingdom came up four other horns, four kingdoms. One of them was the Solution Dynasty. That's uh, Syria. And out of him came this guy called Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was a type of the Old Testament. Or the Antichrist in the Old Testament. Now, who's the little horn of Daniel 7 that comes up? Antichrist. He's the Antichrist, and that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's what's called a dual prophecy. One of them has long been fulfilled, the little horn of chapter 8. But the little horn of chapter 7 has not been fulfilled yet. It's coming, but it's not here yet. So, Daniel 8, to me, this is just my view. Obviously, Alexander the Great appears to have fulfilled this, coming into four parts after he finishes. But I think, just like Antiochus Epiphanes, he was fulfilling Daniel 8 in type. This is my view. Because it says at least twice, it's for the time of the end. Um, Verse 17, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall the vision be. And that's the Daniel 8 vision. So to me, that's how that Western power crosses the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. That's air power. To now, me, if I, I take so. it literally. That's speed. That's all about speed. Without touching the ground. If you study I, I've the, seen that said. I, if you study the history of Alexander the Great, he, he conquered the whole known world in a very, did, very, did very, very short period of time. But it wasn't at the end of days yet. Well, that's where you get into that double prophecy. He fulfilled the local part. Mm-hmm. The coming Antichrist, the little horn of chapter... Seven is yet future. Read Daniel eleven forty. I th- yeah, I think we're together on that. Um, Isn't that where the Macedonian rebellion came? That was part of that. That Daniel was part of that. Antiochus Epiphany. Mm-hmm. Daniel eleven forty. Forty. And at the time of the end, that, that goes right back to what you was talking about. Yeah. Shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a world? Who's him? The little hole of chapter 7. Yeah, the Antichrist. The Antichrist. So he doesn't get his way with everything. He ends No, up... he does not. But do you see what a dual prophecy is? Now, yeah. we're going to run into that more. That Part of that prophecy has been fulfilled long, long ago. I think uh, Antiochus Epiphany died in 165 B.C. But he set up the abomination of desolation. Do you guys know what abomination of desolation is? You've got to have one certain building before it can happen. Temple. The Jews got to have a temple. That can't happen right now because they do not have a temple. And what Antiochus Epiphanes did, he went into the temple, offered up a sow on the altar, and set up a statue of Zeus, and caused the people of Israel to worship him. Now, someone read Matthew uh, Matthew twenty four, fifteen. I'll let one of y'all find it there. I've been talking too much. <laughs> Matthew 24, 15. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation, 
Mm -hmm. Therefore, shall see the abomination of desolation spoken. That's future tense. That's not happened yet. Mm -hmm. That's happened at the time of the end. That happens at the very midpoint of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. And what does it say? Do get out of town and get out of town quick, right? Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Uh That's found that we'll get to that when we get to Daniel chapter nine. Now, is everybody completely confused? (laughs) Okay, that'll be good. (laughs) With this abomination of desolation, I, I really personally think that. The current best chance at the Antichrist, let me hear me out, is that Barack Obama. Well, I wouldn't argue against that. I would not argue that. So he's saying an abomination, and this is the English language. I just wonder if there's a play on words. I've seen that in a few places in the Bible because something about Barack is also said in Ezekiel. But, uh, or Obama, he calls it Obama. But his, he has a Jewish mother. His mother's white. Uh, Stanley Ann Dunham's white Jewish woman. He would have, by, he would be considered by Israel Jewish through his mother, just like um, um, Isaac was considered Jewish through his mother, and Ishmael wasn't. So he's considered Jewish. If they check the DNA in the in the David's tomb, which they've not opened yet, and compare it, he could have that line. He could, genetically speaking, have that line. He's coddled up to Islam a lot. And he, he could be this peacemaker. I, I would rather think that Obama could be the false prophet. Uh, because there's several places in the Bible that says the false prophet will probably, now I'll use the word probably, be a Jew. Okay. Now I think that Antiochus Epiphanes on, there's three places in the Bible that says when the Assyrian comes into your land, and that's not necessarily Syria, but it's that part of the country. And a lot of people, a lot of good Bible scholars would teach that the Antichrist is going to be in the lineage of Antiochus Epiphanes. And he's going to be a Syrian. Okay. And uh, I think you can make a case of that. But me personally, I believe Barack Obama, and don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying he's going to fade out and not play a role in it. He probably will. I think it's better chance you be the false prophet. Yeah, he'll play some kind of role. You can just tell there's something pure evil about that man. Oh, yeah. No doubt mm-hmm. about it. Any questions? Sure. Can you repeat this? It's going to be a test. <laughs> if I tell you, I'd have to kill you. Okay, I understand. I understand. Let's take about 10 more minutes. We're almost on the hour, but part of that was the prayer and me yammering. Well, that's so, okay. That's, a good, that's what makes a good Bible study. Well, yeah, let's take a little more time before we wrap Now, let's go back to, to uh, Ex, uh, Exodus chapter 12 and, and look at the 10th. And just see how Jesus fulfilled that in the final week. On a Friday, that was the 10th, he was at Bethany, John 12, 1. On a Saturday, it was a triumphal entry, Matthew 21, 5. On a Sunday, the fig tree was cursed, 21, 18, uh, Matthew 21, 18. Monday, the conspirators canceled, Matthew 26, 2. On a Tuesday, was the last supper, Matthew 26, 17. On Wednesday, the crucifixion between the evenings, Luke twenty two seventeen. Thursday, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Leviticus, what you just read. On a Friday, the woman prepared spices. On a Saturday, and rested that day. After the Sabbath, on a Sunday, he is risen. 
Let me take a picture of those notes. You don't mind. That's, no, I don't care. That's great. I'll no. send that to you too, Ray. Good. They, they don't know this. I'm going to charge him for that. <laughs> <laughs> you got a copyright on Royal it. Copyright. <laughs> now, let me, and I don't mean to be critical of the people that you've had here in your Bible study. We could write a book on the people that have rotated in and out here, but one thing's for certain. If they bring any doctrine other than the doctrine taught in this book, they don't stay. I don't tell mm -hmm. them not to come back. I think I just, I have had to tell a couple, couple of people. Of them, yeah. Well, the guy that we had here a few weeks ago yeah. was trying to make the case that Jesus was crucified on the 15th. Mm -hmm. And what he was trying to say, that he was crucified on the very day that the ark, Noah's ark, landed on dry land. We'll go to... Uh, Genesis chapter 7. And verse uh, 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, uh -huh. the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Now, compare that with the next chapter, chapter 8, verse 4. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. Oh, that's on the 17th. If Jesus was crucified on the 15th and he was in the tomb three days, there's no way that that fulfills this. That's true. That'd be 14th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It oh, had to be the 14th. That's cool. Yeah. There's no way that that could fulfill that. Does everybody see that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think it's very good to make these observations. And I think just reading your Bible... Uh, You're going to miss a lot. You, you can, mm -hmm. but I think your spirit might be fed by it. Well, sure. Up. But, you know, it's so easy to read over something and not tie this with this. Mm -hmm. Now, don't overdo a similitude. You can't directly build doctrine on it, but it's in the Bible. Yeah, and you can't make every piece of it work. And that's where I'll get in trouble. I'll try to make too much a similitude. I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that is how God has, has, has uh, interacted. Oh, yeah, he, he does validate his word. And, you know, I like in uh, when he's going to the Last Supper in one of the Gospels, uh, well, where are we going to have this? Uh, where are we going to have the Passover? And he says, well, we're going to go to touch such a person and there's a second floor room. And, you know, they're wondering what they're, where they're going to have it. But if you read through there, no, it's just like where Isaac doesn't come back down the mountain. If you read through the, the gospel there, they don't ask, where's our lamb? Where are we going to get a yeah, lamb for this? Yeah. Because Christ was the lamb. Now, in reality, if we were there 2,500 years ago, I'm sure Isaac came off with Abraham. Sure. The Holy Spirit just doesn't say that. Right, and he didn't say that they asked about a lamb. Yep. And then one of them, or more probably did, but Jesus probably said something to the effect mm -hmm. that, that uh, Abraham said to Isaac, you know, God will provide. Mm -hmm. And somebody pointed out, and I, you may have been saying this, Earl, that God will provide for himself a lamb. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And if you take just the Hebrew, all it says is God himself the lamb. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that something? Yep. So who is going to be the lamb that was... There's two similitudes in that. Number one, Isaac was a type of Christ. But the lamb is a type of the substitute. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. There's two. There's two similitudes. And there's two that are during the <coughs> ceremony. Mm-hmm. There's a scapegoat. And, and there's a slaughter. Yep. But let's read. How much time we got? Uh, I'll take another five or ten minutes. We'll be. Let me read the first seven verses of Daniel, and I'm going to show you some similitudes in this. Which chapter? Uh, three. Chapter three? Yeah. Now, Nebuchadnezzar got on an ego trip, and he, he was the head of gold. That didn't satisfy him. He wanted to be the whole thing. He wanted to be the ruler of the whole world forever. So he made this statue of, of gold, and he, he and, and on the plains of Dura. Dura is six miles southwest or east of Babylon, and it was enclosed property, either by trees or by fence. But it was about <clears throat> three acres. Mm-hmm. Now, in verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. What's a cubit? Approximately. 18 inches. Approximately. He set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar set forth together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of providence gathered together of the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald came, cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, everybody, all over the whole world. Now, in verse 5, at that time you hear the sound of these flutes, and I'm not going to go through those right now. Mm-hmm. Verse 6, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the burning lake of uh, furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard these things, they fell down and worshiped. Now we'll go back through this again next time. But do you see a something else is going on here? He, What does the golden image in in context rep, to you represent? How about the mark of the beast? Okay. Uh, who does Nebuchadnezzar represent? In this particular point in his life, he'd have to be representing the devil. The Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But then he gets saved, right? He does, Chapter 4, we're going to take care of that. I love that. But right here, he's not. Uh, someone read the mark of the, uh, Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4. to the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that shall keep his commandments. Okay, in other words, if you, if you compare this with Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, if you love him, and we'll get into that later, you're not going to take the mark of the beast. And, and God's not going to kill you for it. Now, he may do some bad things, or he, you, some bad things may happen to you. The three youths, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are their type of? They're 144,000. Right. Okay. Uh, the fiery furnace is a type of? Tribulation. Now, right. y'all tell me this. Now, I don't much like this similitude right here with this, but it will work. Who's missing from all this? Daniel. Who's in type of? The raptured church. Okay. I'm with that. Okay. He doesn't you have to see that. 
He doesn't have to go through the fire. No, you don't. He don't have to go through the tribulation. Not appointed to wrath. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Amen. You with me, Bob? Yes, sir. Okay. But there's a lot of believers that will, and, and people that think it's a post-trib, they all they go to these verses. Of course there's going to be believers going into the tribulation. Absolutely. There's, there's going to be believers come out of the tribulation on the other side. Yes. If you guys are here the next time, remind me, and I'm going to show you why, by Scripture, they can't be a post-trib rapture. Now, I've done show these things. I would like to go over that again. Let's plan that. We'll plan that. You going to be here next week either, Willie? I don't know. I have to work next week, so... Well, tell him you can't work. <laughs> yeah, he, he runs the sport. I know, I know. But, around the boat. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I'll show you by Scripture. I won't tell you, but I'll show you why they cannot be a post-trib rapture. Well, it makes no sense. It, 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 they can't be one. There can't be one. And I think Deuteronomy 24, 5 yeah. shows there can't be one. Uh-huh. Because I think Christ would not violate his own word. You know, he put that verse in there, I think it, you know, sure. means something. Any questions before we... You understand every word of it. Now, if you're not confused, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, join hands. Uh, Mark, good to have you with us. Would you close us? Sure will. Father, we bless you. We love you. We acknowledge you, Lord, as our King of kings and Lord of lords, and we thank you for the meat of your word. Lord, we just ask right now that even amidst this word that we might not all understand that you would make your revelation real to us. Yes, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for each one of us that is represented here tonight, Lord, and as we've already done, we lift the prayer request up to you once again, Father. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over everyone that is here, over each family member, Lord, that is not here. We ask that you would just put a hedge of protection around each family that is represented, around those that have been lifted up in prayer. Lord, we just ask that you keep your mighty hand upon us and bring us back safely the next appointed time. We love you. We praise you. And we glorify your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Sounds like somebody's been to seminary. <laughs>